0: Good afternoon and welcome to our first Rural Radio Forum. I'm Rural Radio Network Farm Director Joe Gangwish. Our topic today is farm succession and we are happy to have with us Alan Vinalek, University of Nebraska Extension Educator from plaid county this program being brought to you by lindsey corporation your local zomatic and field net dealers so alan welcome good to have you here
1: yeah thanks for having me it's going to be an interesting uh, half hour so enjoy the conversation
0: it's going to be a, a fun conversation and a topic that's on a lot of folks minds uh, uh these days and we want to give you a, a way that you can get a hold of us if you have a question for alan we'll try to get it answered for you in the next 40 minutes or so toll-free phone number is 844 844- it's 844-880-0880 or you can tweet us at rural radio net is where you can find us on twitter so alan let's start with some background how long have you been helping with this kind of topic
1: oh i've been i've been working dabbling in and out of succession and farm transition for probably three or four maybe up to five years although uh, last fall i was trained or the training for being a farm succession uh counselor or farm farm succession coordinator i guess it would be the right right topic so, uh, so it looks like i'll be doing more of this time of work so this this radio program timing works perfectly
0: well that, that's excellent and that was kind of some quite uh extensive training though that you went through you uh, know we, we,
1: uh, we were over in council plus uh, three days in early october and then we had to write a I ended up writing a six- or seven-page paper to uh, take a family situation and say how we would try and dissect it and help that family get on to a a good transition or succession plan.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. Once again, phone number 844-880-0880. If you have a farm succession question for Alan, Uh, also at Rural Radio Net is where you can find us on Twitter. So, Alan, let's jump uh, right in and and talk about, uh, you know, first of all, stressing to families, at least get started on putting a plan together is that right
1: yeah so for our rural families and our rural businesses uh the latest study we have is from iowa state and uh, the iowa state study of farmers says that um only 23 percent have plans to fully retire Uh, another 47 percent almost half, only plan to semi-retire give up some of the ground keep some of it keep Keep management. Keep your toes in the management, and only only thirty percent plan to fully retire. So that that just tells me that we're trying to avoid the the question. We're trying to avoid the. Uh, you know the whole concept of the end of our demise, the end of end of life decisions we 're just pushing and kicking the can down the road, okay. and uh, anybody who 's been through a good farm succession or farm transition or even a estate man, planning management and, and work says after they go through an actual estate planning conference or, or workshop they 'll say, "Man, the only problem I, the only mistake I made here is i didn 't get here years ago." And so you're waiting too long folks and so if you don't have a plan in place the importance of this 40 minutes is to get people to understand you need to put a plan in place that's that's the key point
0: do they feel a little intimidated do they feel it's a pretty daunting task
1: yeah so no one likes to think about their mortality uh, no, no one, uh, you know, um, no one, no one likes to have the loss of control, and they think that it's going to be too complicated, and they think it's going to be too hard, and they think that oh my gosh, I got to talk to the family, and that's just going to be a disaster. So they don't, they don't want to go, they don't want to go there, and so they, you know, in some cases, and in other cases, it's, you know, the family's great, the family's terrific, but, but. For some it's a problem and so you have to just get over that idea that you're not going to die because you are at some point and you got to get over the idea that i don't have to plan because you do and just just get pull something together
0: yeah how important is having a, a family meeting to kind of begin this whole process
1: well, I've said if you listen to been around me very much at all and if you've listened to anything I've said over the last 15 or 16 years especially while being in Nebraska, whenever there's an issue going on, we fix an issue by increasing communication rather than decreasing communication. Yeah, we have some of our uh, I, I don't I don't I don't want to make I don't want to try and, I'm not going to take make fun of anyone or any ethnic group. But we have some of our uh, ethnic Eastern European ethnic groups that are the strong silent type, especially the older generation, our parents. This generation that just never want to uh, share any information. They don't want to divulge any of their business. That's my business and my business only. Uh, even my parents did that to me. You do not share that information with anyone. Yeah. Uh, when we sold and where, where we, how we're going to sell or, or when we're going to plant corn or any of those things. You just don't say it. And um, so they're the people that tend not to get the planning done. They to tend to just, leave, just kick the can. And uh, then, uh, for instance, uh, I get people calling me up saying, Uh, so uh, mom passed away last year, dad's already gone, mom passed away, I got this farm I inherited, now what do I do? And so they're wanting to know how to manage the farm. And so that that gets to be the issue. So
0: so that's the other side. You've got people who are planning to phase out, and then... You have to deal with those folks out there who have inherited ground or an operation. What they need right, to do, right, right,
1: right, without without any help, without any instructions. But but getting back to the family meeting part, yes, I I I di- I di- I diverted away from what you really started <laughs> asking me about. The family meeting part is critically important because of what I just got done talking about the importance of communication, and we can't just avoid that because of an ethnic background, you know, whatever. Yeah. We have to because that's our personality. For some people, it's a personality thing, but but the family meeting's is critical because because the only way we can get through to the next generation is to have everyone in the room that's an adult. In other words, everybody in your family that's an adult, I don't care if it's grandkids or great-grandkids, if they're adults, they should be in, a, in, on a, in at least an initial family meeting. That's my recommendation. That's not, that's not cast in granite. That's not a law. That's just the world according to Benalek and the world according to how I think it should happen. And what, what everybody should be allowed to do at that first family meeting is to give their input on what they think uh, should happen to the, whatever we're talking about. Whether it's grandmother's yellow pipe plate, or if it's the farm, or if it's the old 64 Chevy, I don't care what it is. Everybody should have an input on what they think ought to happen with that asset, or with that piece of ground. And, 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 um, so that's what the initial family meeting should do. Allow everyone to air, give their opinion on what should happen. And the key part of that, well, there's a couple of key parts. The key part of that is no criticism. You say you want grandma's yellow pie plate i can't say da 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 i can't i can't make any of those comments i got to just let that go and you got to make everyone let everyone be able to say what they want to say and um and then the second thing that goes into that family meeting is is critically important is we have to do better as families we our Our first goal for the family meeting is probably not to even talk about grandma's yellow pie plate. The first conversation at the family meeting i I got behind myself or ahead of myself here. The first conversation with the family meeting ought to be. Hey, when we get done with this, are we still going to be a family or not? Mm-hmm. That's the key question. Are we going to be? Are we going to get out of, through this mess or through this, this 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 challenge of deciding what happens to our assets and it, when it goes on to the next generation and still remain a family? If we come up with that as a goal first, we've solved all the problems with almost everything else. I mean, that. If you check your ego in at the door and make that as your goal, then everything else becomes much easier. Now yeah. we have sometimes we have trouble checking that ego in at the door for, the, for that issue, but we have to start with that conversation first. Yeah,
0: we were sharing before uh, we went on the air here, and you made that point about sharing in a fair way. And if, if you do that far enough in advance, it, it can be more fair. Is that right?
1: Well, of course. And and so there's a couple things that come into play there. I mean, are we going to are we passing on an asset just to the next set of of the the next generation, or are we passing an asset on to uh, the next uh, farmer? are we passing this on as a tra- true transition and succession to the next farming operation, or are we just, if no one is on the farm, the farm's just going to, the, the, the kids that are left are going to decide what to do with the farm. You know what I'm trying to say? They may yeah. keep it, they may sell it, they may whatever they want to do. That's fine. But but uh, so if you're, gonna, if you're going to have a uh, person come back to the farm, if they're going to actually come back and, and succeed and, and take on that farm, and they've been the on-farm sib. Anyway, then I think that you have to have a, a little bit different take on the discussion. So, I mean, what we have to try and avoid is this whole deal that, that uh, somebody's going to, uh, how do I want to say this? Somebody's going to uh, uh, pay, hell, the story goes like this. <laughs> the the, the mid, mid-aged farmer said, I just spent 25 years paying, help, helping my dad pay off all his brothers and sisters to get this farm from the last gen from the mm-hmm. last transfer. And now I'm gonna spend the next twenty five years paying off my brothers and sisters along with my with my son, hopefully, to get this farm into to paid off on the next generation. And we're not sure that's Quite right. I mean, you you could see that the farmers would be frustrated about that, to having to make that payment on the same land twice in their lifetime. That just doesn't make any sense. So you have to be careful about creating issues and situations like that. And so it kind of comes back to the whole fair versus equal. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, I think. But anyway.
0: No, that's all good stuff. We're talking farm succession with Alan Vinalik. He's a Nebraska Extension educator from Platt County. It's being brought to you by Lindsay Corporation and your local Zomatic and FieldNet dealers. If you've got a question for alan he sure wants to answer your question you can tweet us at rural radio net or the toll-free number 844-880-0880 that's 844-880-0880 so let's talk about that what about just basic communication is that where you start
1: yeah pretty much so um so, you know, as it goes like this, Joe, I mean, uh, so let's have, a, let's have a conversation between you and I. I mean, all the radio listeners can listen in, but let me ask you a question, and you can answer it however you choose to, truthfully or untruthfully. But let's see how this conversation goes. Uh, Joe, what do you plan to do this Saturday? Uh, Mow the yard. Very good. And so do I. I have to mow. I have to trim. I have to edge. I have to haul mulch. Uh-huh. I have to bed my, my bed to help my wife bed the flower gardens. I'm going to have to do. I got just, I just got loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff to go. Okay. So, Joe, did I really listen to what you said? <laughs> no. I listened to what you said to say what I wanted to say. And, I build upon your mowing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, let's, try, let's have try that conversation one more time. Joe, what do you plan to do Saturday?
0: I plan to mow the yard. Maybe plant some soybeans. Oh, so you farm then too? Well, just dabble a little bit.
1: Okay, so mowing the yard. Do you have a, a push mower or a rider? Got a rider. Oh, good. Is it uh, what color is it? What 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 model? It's green and yellow for the
0: folks that know me.
1: So. Yeah, sure. Okay, all right. That makes sense. Okay, and so and so, how big a deck do you have on your mower? Uh, Forty-two inch. Cut. Forty-two inch. That's pretty yeah. standard. I get that. Yeah, the twin twin blade then. Twin blade, right. zero turn. In fact. Oh, yeah. cool. That's so, all right. So now. Which, which conversation was I having with Joe where I listened to him? The second the, one. Yeah. It's not hard to figure out. And so, so my point about conversations are, are we listening or are we not listening? That was a simplistic um, example, but that, that is everything to know about the conversation between people. Are you listening or are you just listening to talk? Yeah. You cannot be making up your next answer when the other person's talking. You have to listen to what they're saying. And what did I do to Joe? I asked him the clarifying question. Well, what did you, what kind of tr- lawn tractor do you have? What kind of, what color is it? Or, or what model is it? Or, or how big is it? And, you know, I tried to ask the clarifying question. I did not talk about mowing myself at all. I didn't. And so um, that's the first art of communication. And the second art is just don't criticize other people's ideas. And the third art is just, you know, make everybody feel included. And, in, and yeah, okay, so to finish up that family meeting, you get everybody together that first time, you listen to what everybody's got to say, there's no criticisms of anybody's idea, let them all put everything out on the table, and then you decide, probably should decide this first, actually, who are the decision makers in this family? Then the decision makers, and maybe at another meeting, Will stay in the room or get into the room, and they use all this input they've received to say, "Okay, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to make this happen." Uh, the decision makers have to make the the whole put the whole plan in place. Mm-hmm. But I think the family all has to have everybody that's an adult, and that family has to have input into what's going to happen there. I think it's critically important, and I think it's a nice thing to think about.
0: Yeah, it sounds like to me that uh, the sooner you get started, the better.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and no no question about that. This isn't about this isn't about talking about uh, the specific uh, uh, C Corp or S Corp or a uh, state plan or or or, or uh, a, uh, a trust or anything like that. This is about what is what is our overall thought about this? So the the the, the, the idea is we need to make sure that we have a good plan in place, okay? Yeah. And then, and then that can be acted and put into place and it, it makes just everything just so much smoother. Oh, and by the way, why are we having this conversation? Because if we have a good plan in place, and when we go to the lawyer, we're, we're saving a whole bunch of time. Mm-hmm. Because what's the lawyer going to do when you get to him if you don't have a plan in place? He's going to spend time with all the people in the family trying to figure out what everybody's input He'll is charge and what the you plan ought to be. <laughs> and instead, you're talking about $150 to $200 bucks an hour, man. Yeah. You know, and, so, and so if you could save $150 200 an, an hour by having all this stuff worked out ahead of time, we're far better for it, yeah. economically, too. Yeah.
0: We're going to take a break here in about four minutes, but do you think you can answer the uh, fair versus equal question in about four minutes?
1: I'll do my very best. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, our older generation and some of the people that are my generation uh, think that everything, all the assets for the next generation ought to be divided equally, especially my parents' generation. It had to be divided right to the penny equally. And uh, so, what we submit is that when you have a son or a daughter on the farm that is putting sweat equity into that operation, um, that maybe they're not they be treated fairly, not equally. Okay. So, if you have four children, for instance, if they were being treated equally, they'd each get 25% of the assets at, at mom and dad's uh, death demise. Mm-hmm. Now. Well, what we're suggesting is you come up with some of the creative ways to recognize the son or the daughter that did stay on the farm for the sweat equity that they put into that farm. And so maybe instead of having four children, you have five. Now, each of the three children that are not on the farm get 20 instead of 25%, and the fourth fourth person, the one that's on the farm, gets two shares or 40%. And do I really notice the difference if I'm getting 25% instead of 20 eh, Probably not that much. But is the 40% being fair to the one that's on the farm? Maybe. And maybe that comes closer. And so that's the, that's the argument or that's the thought we have to be made about fair versus equal. The other thing I'll say about that quickly is that the perception about fair versus equal is really interesting because I've talked to a lawyer about this. I've got this confirmed that perception of the on farm sibs contribution is way up here like a 10 or so yeah and so the perception of the off farm kids the kids that are not on, on the farm of of your in your case joe's contribution to the farming mm-hmm. effort is about a 2 or a 3 on a scale of a 10 okay? Joe's contribution is 10, but all his brothers and sisters think he's contributing into two or three. Joe thinks that he's made mom and dad's operation work, he's provided the management, he's provided the labor, he's provided the skill, and this is why we're rocking on? And all the kids go, all Joe did is ride on mom and dad's coattails. They didn't really provide much except maybe a little sweat. And and the truth, of course, is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, but but we have to make sure that as families, we understand it's somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and be, do that art of compromise. And can the
0: folks kind of dive through some of that and make sure they come to a, an equal agreement on those perceptions?
1: Well, th- that's that's tough. I mean, that's hard. If somebody's got this rock. Solid in their brain, bringing, bringing the, the farmer or the, the on farm sib down from a ten and bringing these other kids people up from a one or two. It's a really tough. It's a really tough thing to understand. But we have to understand it somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, very good. We're with Alan Vinalik. We're talking about farm succession here this afternoon. Our sponsor is Lindsay Corporation and your local Zomatic and Fieldnet dealers. And we'll bring you the phone numbers here once again eight four four eight eight zero. If you have a question for Alan Vinalek with University of Nebraska Extension, Uh, once again, 844-880-0880. Or you can tweet to us at Rural Radio Nets, where you can find us on Twitter. We'd love to answer your questions on farm succession. So in about 30 seconds, Alan, uh, once again, stress the importance of at least getting started on a plan.
1: Yeah, you've kind of got to get started. There's, there's no substitute for, for the estate planning, and, and we, have to, we have to do this based on... Well, here's the bottom line, and I could do this in 15 seconds. Okay. The bottom line is many people wait until there's some catastrophic event before they start making their family planning, and that's a terrible time to get in a room to do that when mom or dad pass away or when somebody's critically ill. Okay, that's, that's awful. Don't do that. It happened to somebody I know very well, and don't do that. And then the other thing I'll say is um, um, just 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 get it done now. You'll be happier for it.
0: Alan Vinolik is with us. We're talking farm succession on this first Rural Radio Forum. I'm Joe Gangwish. We'll be back after a break. Stay with us.
1: Water when you need to. Don't water when you don't need it. Water more in some parts of the field and less in others. Common sense, but variable rate irrigation hasn't been possible until now. Research studies prove it only works with FieldNet Advisor by Lindsay Irrigation. One study showed 17% water savings and a 3% increase in yield. If you have FieldNet, it's software already available in your current setup. Or you can add hardware with other brands of pivots. Starting May 15th, FieldNet Advisor by Lindsay Irrigation. We are back
0: at the first Rural Radio Forum here along the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish along with Alan Vinalek, University of Nebraska Extension Educator from Platte County. And we are talking about farm succession. It's being brought to you by Lindsay Corporation and your local Zomatic and FieldNet dealers. And before we dive back into our topic, let's bring you uh, ways you can contact us. We can answer your questions here in the last... Uh, 17 minutes or so of the program at Rural Radio Net is where you can find us on Twitter or call us toll free 844-880-0880 is the number for you to call. So, Alan, let's jump back in and and talk about an interesting story uh, uh, you had about some producers in Iowa, Mark and Nancy. Tell us about them.
1: So, um, back in the 80s, I taught at the two-year ag school at Curtis, and then I moved to Iowa State Extension in about uh, early 1988. And I was working, uh, working there, and, and uh, farmers in my county, Mark and Nancy, lived up north of Grundy Center where I lived, and they went to one of our Iowa State University uh, farm management uh, workshops. And one of the very first things they made them do at the workshop, a farm financial management planning workshop, was take ten minutes, and each of them were given the assignment of, what does your farm do, need to do in the next ten years? What, what, what's your farm look like 10 years from now? What, do you, what, is, what has changed about your farm in, in exactly 10 years from whenever this, this um, workshop happened? And uh, this don't talk to this spouse. You just come up with your own vision for this. And so this own plan. And so they each went to work. And Mark's vision was to add a second hired hand. Mark's vision was to add some more farm ground, but his big vision was to add another hog house for the second hired hand to work in his hog house. He's going to expand his hog operation. He has a sizable one, but he's going to expand. He already had one hired hand and he wanted to have two. Nancy's vision, because of where they were at in their life with their kids, were same age same age as my children were, oddly enough. But Nancy's vision was, uh, Mark, we're going to scale this back. We're going to keep kind of where we're at right now. We're not going to spend anything because you need to – these kids are going to be going through junior high and high school over the next 10 years, and you need to spend time with your children. And you need to watch that happen, and you need not to be so busy with your with your farming operation that you miss this stage of your life because it's a very important stage, and you need to hang around and do that. And they get done with the 10 minutes. That's what they wrote. They, then they start sharing, and uh, almost – they, they had interesting personalities in that they wouldn't just necessarily uh, handle this uh, calmly <laughs> and so within within a minute or two they're, they're practically yelling at each other you know yeah, yeah. no i'm not gonna do that. no that's wrong no and so it was really it was it really got intense for a moment and uh, finally uh I, we, we we never resolved it that day but i do know that nancy kind of ended up winning and it's probably a good thing because if mark would have built that extra hog house and had all these extra hogs on the market in 1998 i think is when it was when hogs went down to to seven or eight dollars a hundredweight that spring. Uh, he had been out of business. He'd lost the entire farm. I know that. I just know that for a fact. In all my heart, I know that he would have lost everything. So it's really important that he didn't win on that, that Nancy won. And uh, and uh, he still ended up expanding plenty and adding a building <laughs> and adding people and all this stuff. But but he didn't do it at that time because of, of that conversation. Yeah. And those are the important conversations we have to have with spouses. Those are the con- important conversations we ever have with our children, especially a child that we're going to bring back into the farming operation. Mm-hmm. And it ain't a bad thing. To have in terms of uh, all the other kids in your family, if you have more kids than just that son or daughter on the farm, so they kind of know what's going on too, and everybody kind of agrees this is the vision, this is where we're headed to, because that could have been a train wreck if Nancy wouldn't have been, uh, if Nancy would have been timid or or shy or whatever, but Nancy wasn't going to let farm Mark run over her at all, and by gosh, it was a World War three there for a moment. Yeah. It was, a, but, it was a, but it was very. Very important. It was very. It's a very important story to tell because it's, it just tells us everything about how we need to to manage this thing so we do it right.
0: Listen to your spouse and listen to your kids too. Exactly, yep. exactly my point. Yeah. Alan Vinolik is with us. We're talking farm succession. Tweet us your question at Rural Radio Net or call 844-880-0880. And Alan, let's talk about difference in generations.
1: Okay. So yeah. So the the interesting thing here is that sometimes well. Back when I was a kid, we talked about the generation gap. We, we, us, us people, and the, the growing up in the 60s and early 70s didn't get along with our parents because there was this generational gap. And now we call it uh, the the intergenerational, uh, it could be dialogue, conversation, intergenerational understanding. And essentially, we have four generations in the in, in our country right now. The matures, uh, the baby boomers, the generation X's, and the generation Y's. Those are all pretty much part of the workshop although our our mature generation is not really in a workshop anymore they're retiring and they're unfortunately passing away very quickly that's the greatest generation that Tom Brokaw talked about that's the people that, uh, that grew up uh, during the Great Depression and fought World War II and fought the Korean War that, that generation is going by the wayside very quickly but they're still out there and they're the ones that are uh, not haven't made good succession plans for us that are getting this farm ground necessarily in some cases in some cases they've done excellently but if we're having trouble communicating with our son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter it's maybe maybe because they're in a different generation I mean obviously personalities have something to do with this too, but you have to understand that the boomers lived to work and the boomers' mm-hmm. life was their work. Uh, and, in, and in our uh, generation X, the ones that were born between 65 and 79, uh, they're the first generation of kids, or excuse me, generation of young people that grew up as a, uh, 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 latchkey kids. All latchkey. And so, now as adults, what do they value first? They value family first. Okay, because... Mom and dad just left me. They went to work. And so I'm going to value my family first, family over work. Well, why? Because I'm so efficient at work because I already know the technology. I already know the computers. I already know how to do stuff faster than those boomers ever knew how to do it. And they are fast. I mean, I I, I will even admit that, being a boomer. But but it's annoying to boomers that these people aren't putting in the hours that we put in. Because all the boomers know exactly how many hours they put in each week and exactly how much overtime they did and exactly how hard they've worked their entire life. And that's not... That's, not the, that's a value set that we have, but that's not the value set that the extras have. And then the Y generation, which is born between 80 and 2000, uh, that's, the, that's the millennials. They, they're first, my daughter's a first-generation millennial because first she mm-hmm. graduated from high school in 2000. That's, that's what that defines a millennial when you graduate from 2000. But they have never known a life without computers. They've never known a life, hardly, without cell phones. They've never known anything. Uh, they're just so adept at technology and are so adept at doing things so well and so adept, and they still value family first. But, they, but the good news about millennials is, is whereas the extras didn't see a lot of value to some of the community work unless it did them some good, millennials do understand and they do jump in on some of the community work and some things that has to be done around town. I mean, we got some good friends that have their son that uh, has a, is part of the volunteer fire department. That millennial—that's a part of the mm-hmm. volunteer fire department. That's the kind of work that they're—they're they're starting to do that we didn't—we had from some of the extras, but not a big percentage of them. Yeah. I know. I mean, I'm just very gross generalities, and I'm not picking fun of anybody or not trying to criticize anyone. Those are just the differences. And so, if we're not so, for instance, if if a if a millennial, excuse me, extra or a millennial has a girl in junior high volleyball in October and. She has got a volleyball match at three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. The exer or the millennial will shut the combine down during harvest and go watch the volleyball match and a boomer would never consider it yeah that that that's 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 the key definition. The boomer gets mad at that because you don't <laughs> shut the combine down until there's a Husker football game. <laughs> you just don't do it.
0: Or until you're done. Yeah. Well, or until you're <laughs> done.
1: Right. Husker game or you're done. And then you don't stop it for a junior high girls volleyball game, whereas the X's and the millennials will, will do it. And so yeah. you have to understand if there's a difference, some of that sort of thing. We have to get through that, too.
0: Yeah, Alan Vanolik is here. We're taking your questions on farm succession. It's been a great discussion so far. 844-880-0880. If you've got a question for Alan from University of Nebraska Extension in Plaid County, this is our first Rural Radio Forum being brought to you by Lindsay Corporation and your local Zimatic and FieldNet dealers. So, one one thing I wanted to ask you, and this was a point we wanted to make, Alan, was getting people to talk about what the farm looks like on retirement day. Is that, is that okay, something right, that, that, right. that they yeah, need yeah. to consider?
1: So, so, you know, we talked about goals, and we've talked about goals kind of throughout the whole program, but... But uh, we, we, have to, we have to get farmers to understand that someday they're going to retire. Okay? This, is the, this is the end of the line. I'm done. Mm-hmm. This, this is my last Friday in the, in the, out, out there doing it, or whatever day it happens to be, the end of the month, whatever, you, whatever date you choose. I'm done. I've got it coming off the yard. I've done my last set of chores, and I'm going to turn my keys in. Who am I turning my keys into? Am I going to turn my keys into uh, the auctioneer? Are we selling an auction tomorrow? Am I turning my keys into? Uh, am I turning my keys into the uh, the next generation? Is my son or my daughter coming back? Uh, am I turning my keys into well, or am I turning my keys into the? You know, my, this is an awful way to say it, but am I turning my keys into the mortician? Have I died? Is that the end? Is is that the way I finish this up? And so we have to have that thought first. And when you when you think about that, also think about what does your farm look like. In other words, I'm turning my keys and I'm done. What does that look like? Am I turning, am I, do I, how, how big did I get? How many acres? How, how, how much pasture do I have? How many cows do I have? How many, how big is my hog operation? Whatever I've got. Uh, you know, how many chickens do you have? Whatever you have, how big did that get and how big, what's going on? And so you have that vision first and then you can plan backwards from there. In other words, if I know that I'm 10 years away from retirement right now, uh, then I would take a five-year segment, and I know what I want to look like at retirement. Then i take a five-year segment, and am I halfway there or not? I mean, you, yeah. can, you can make some plans if you know what you want to look like at the end, yeah. depending on who you have coming into operation and all those kind of things.
0: Yeah. We did have a call from a listener who, is, who thanks us for the program, and, and thanks for everybody that's listening out there. And Talking farm succession with your families, and this caller wished that his family would have sat down years ago and would have had this knowledge earlier. And he just said he hopes other people will follow this advice. So this awesome. goes to show just just at least start the conversation, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, no one is no one is sad to get started. No one's sad that it happened, but they're always sad that they didn't start sooner. Absolutely right. That's ex- exactly correct.
0: Okay. If if folks don't have this talk, what kind of headaches, problems? You kind of went through these before, but uh, what are some things that you definitely want to avoid?
1: Well, okay, so one thing I talk- haven't talked about yet is that the whole end-of-life uh, decision-making that we should have with the people that are getting towards there. In other words, one thing, okay, all right, I'll just leave a per- use a personal example. I was trying not to, but I'll use this quick. One thing my mom did for my brother and I is that she had her whole funeral planned out. She knew where she wanted to have it. She knew what songs she wanted to sing. She knew who she wanted to ask to come and sing them. She knew who she wanted to have for a pastor. She knew who was going to come and serve the lunch. She knew where she wanted the lunch. She knew where she, well, she's going to be very next to my dad, but that, that wasn't an issue. But the where I'm going, she had this all planned and it was all written down. Oh, she knew who the pallbearers were going to be. Here's who you asked for to be pallbearers. Yeah, all this done. I cannot begin to tell you how much my brother and I appreciated my mom for getting That all pulled together because – and having that all written down because – that makes your decisions easy. i yeah. are going to follow your mom's wishes. That's not hard. Yeah.
0: That's a great point, and that works for everybody. We've got less than a minute left, Alan. You've got some numbers for, for people who if they need some more information, go through some of those phone numbers.
1: So, we haven't talked about uh, a new a new farmer to the operation. Uh, so, if you've got a new farmer and an operation, uh, there's a nextgen.nebraska.gov website, and that toll-free number is 800-446-4071 to get more information that way. There's a Center for Rural Affairs. They have a new new farmer program that can help people out there's trying to start out new 402-687-2100 and then there's the nebraska rural response hotline and that would be where you could get help with mediation counseling that sort of thing and that's at 800-464-0258
0: alan vanolik from Platt county extension university of nebraska has been our guest our first farm forum brought to you by Lindsay corporation and your Zabatic dealer